0: Amen, amen, amen. Well, you've got a Bible with you. Open it with me to Ephesians chapter 1. You've got there with you this morning your Bible. Say amen. And uh, so excited to be able to continue this message series entitled Crazy Good. And this is the second message in this particular series. And I want to kind of kick it off by asking a very simple question for you this morning. So eyeball to eyeball for just a moment. Let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever thought about this question? What exactly does God desire for you? I mean, what is God's heart for your life? What does God want to do in you? What does God want to do through you? Here's what we've realized so far in our study of Ephesians, which is crazy good to say the least. We know that God, by his grace, has heaped upon us great mercy. We know as well that he's adopted us into his family whereby we can now call upon him as God our Father. We also know that he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. So he has given us all of these wonderful, marvelous acts of grace. So what is it now that God desires to do in your life? There's so much more than just showing up to church on Sunday matter of fact, Paul the Apostle desires for those at the church at Ephesus to be absolutely certain that he is praying that they would experience all that God desires for them. And let me say it to you like this this morning. That's the same for us as a church staff here at Concord. We desire for you to experience all that God has for you. We don't want you to miss out on one single thing. So we pray for you regularly. We also desire that you would experience all that God longs for you. To experience in this life in fact if you think about it if God's only intention for saving us was to take us to heaven well he would have took us to heaven the moment we gave our hearts to Christ but the reality is God desires to do something in your life and through your life while you are here upon the earth and I was reminded in preparation for this message of a message that I heard recently about King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament had built a, a fleet of ships And he built those ships in order that they would sail to a place called Ophir and actually pound upon those ships a bunch of gold and bring it back to his kingdom. But the reality is, and the scripture teaches us, that those ships never set sail for the harbor or out of the harbor. They simply sat there until one day a violent storm came and destroyed all of the ships. Now, when I listened to that message and heard about those ships, I thought about you and I thought about myself as well. That we do not have the graces of God which have built us up so that we can simply stay in the harbor. God wants us to set sail. He wants you and I to experience his grace in a marvelous way as we walk here upon the earth. And we get a glimpse into what God desires as we listen to what Paul prays for concerning the church at Ephesus. And these are the same things that God desires for you as well as myself. So, man, I'm looking forward to being able to share with you what the Lord's taught me from this text. So, let's find out what God desires for us this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. If you'll stand with me in the honor of God's word this morning, you got it there in front of you. Say amen. Now, the Bible says, For this reason I too... Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks to you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things in subjection under His feet. And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for your divine word and trust that you will speak to our hearts as you see fit today. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are hospitable to the scripture and then lives to obey. Father, I pray for those who have not yet placed their trust in you. God, that you would draw them to salvation as they see all that Jesus has done for them. And God, we trust that you will give me strength to deliver this message as you see fit. And that's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So go ahead and be seated this morning. What exactly does God desire for you? Well, jot these things down. There's at least three major realities that surface from the text we just read. First of all, God desires that we would enjoy getting to know him more. That we would enjoy getting to know him more. Verse 17, Paul says he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, notice this, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now two words stand out here to me, the word wisdom and the word revelation. Now the Bible tells you and I that if we are to grow in wisdom and experience the revelation of the Lord, then that is a gift that is given to us by God. So we need God to give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the word wisdom literally means that we see things from God's perspective here upon the earth. Now think about that for just a moment. God wants to give you a spirit of wisdom. He wants to give you the ability to see life on earth from his divine perspective. That is a remarkable way in which we receive God's wisdom so we see things differently. And as a result, we respond differently. We actually live differently. And then this scripture also says that he is praying for a spirit of revelation. That word revelation is the same word that is used to describe uncovering something or unveiling something. In this case, Paul the apostle is praying that the nature and the character of God would be unveiled, uncovered for all of the believers to see. So he's praying that we would grow in our relationship with the Lord. In essence, Paul is like this. He's saying, I'm praying that you get to know God better. And the reason that I want you to get to know God better is because then you'll be able to see your life, you'll be able to see the church, and you'll also be able to see eternity from God's divine perspective. And at the same time, I want you to see God for who He truly is. And I want you to know Him firsthand, deeply, intimately, and personally. So that's what Paul's praying for those in Ephesus. He's praying that they would get to know God better. And listen, that's our prayer for you as a church as well. That's my prayer for my life, that I would get to know God better. So as I was working through this message uh, today, I actually began to look at some very practical ways in which you and I can get to know God more. So let me give you five steps very quickly. You might want to jot these down. These will help you get to know God better. Uh, First of all, you got to practice open communication. Open communication. Then this is pretty simple, right? If you want to get to know someone, you got to spend time talking to that individual. Well, the same is true in your relationship with the Lord. You want to be in open communication just like uh, Paul the Apostle is in his relationship with God. So it's prayer. You're speaking to God on a normal, regular basis. Just walking through life in conversation with Him. I remember when I was in middle school, uh, we were having a lesson on prayer, and in that particular class, we had a lady who was sharing about prayer, and she said this, and it stuck with me all the way until this day. She said, when I wake up in the morning, I begin my prayer, but I don't say amen. She says, I leave it in open communication with the Lord all day long, and then when I go to bed at night, that's when I say amen. That stuck with me. It reminded me of our call as followers of Jesus to be in open communication with the Lord, to walk all day long in communication with Him. So that's one of the ways that you and I can get to know God better. We just get to know Him more as we speak to Him. But Secondly, I would say it to you like this. Be gripped by God's Word. Be gripped by God's Word. You know, God wrote a book. It's called the Bible, uh, just for you. And in the Bible, you and I gain insight into who God is, what God is doing, And how you and I can join him in his mission right here on the earth. And you don't want to miss this. God will, by the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of you as a believer, he will guide you into the truth. He will help you apply the Word of God to your life. Now, if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I really need to read the Bible more, but I don't know where to start. Well, let me share with you kind of where I started when I got serious about my relationship with Jesus. I was only in high school, but I remember as I began to really study the Bible, what I did is just started with the short books first. Y'all all right with that? So I went into the Old Testament. I began to look at the uh, Minor prophets I realized the difference between the major prophets and the minor prophets the major prophets were very long The minor prophets were very short. So I spent time studying those minor prophets Then I moved on into the New Testament and I studied the shorter books there too Galatians Ephesians Philippians Colossians 1st 2nd 3rd John and Jude i read all of these and I asked God to speak to my heart and you know what I found I found that God was very willing To teach, very willing to guide, very willing to come right alongside me as I spent time one-on-one with him, just reading my Bible, asking him to speak to my heart. And so as I kind of graduated from the smaller books, I started going to the bigger books. And then one day I'm going to read the book of Leviticus. Can I get a witness on that? But all of this is right in front of you. God speaks to you through his divine word. So don't miss out on what God desires to share with you. Get a grip upon God's word and allow God's word to get a grip on you. Now here's the third step, all right? Habitually obey God. Habitually obey God. I like this one because this is where life with your relationship with Jesus gets real exciting. This is where uh, it gets kind of daring, right? Whenever you sense the Spirit of God prompting you to do something, uh, obey immediately. No argument, right? Uh, I mean, you're just hands up and surrender to Jesus. And when he prompts you to do something, you do it. So if he prompts you to be generous, uh, be generous if he prompts you to encourage somebody do it if he prompts you to share the gospel Then do it just be open to what God's calling you to do And here's what I've discovered as well Are y'all listen say yes The more time I spend in prayer the more time I spend in God's Word the more sensitive I am to the promptings of the Holy Spirit So if you're here this morning, and you're thinking man the Spirit of God's not prompting me to do anything in a while Then that should be a check on your heart You need to get back on getting to know Jesus, right? You need to get back in your relationship with Him, prioritizing that, walking with Him. The same thing I would say to you as well, number four, is uh, become interested in what interests God. Now, if any relationship is to grow, you have to share interest with the other person. Uh, So do the same with God, right? Find out what interests God and then get involved with that. That's a very simple question. What exactly is God interested in? How can I dive into those interests and join him? Now, this is a reality. We know that God is interested in his son Jesus being magnified. Now, listen closely. If that's God's desire, that's what he's interested in, seeing his son Jesus magnified so that others know him, then what should we be involved in doing? We should be involved in helping others get to know the Lord Jesus. You know last Wednesday night we were doing some visiting and I see one of my visiting partners David over here And as we headed out in the truck we drove by the Claremont basketball court right here That's where the real games go down y'all with me say yes So we drove past well I saw somebody out there uh, who goes to church here And so I thought man if nobody's at home or if we've got time we're gonna stop And uh, we're going to share the gospel with with all the people out there playing basketball. So we went to the homes, and they were pretty quick visits, and so we drove back. I was like, pull off. We'll just go up there and we'll share Jesus with those people. And so everybody's eyeballs in the truck got this big. Y'all with me say yes? David, you remember... Especially yours, you were scared. But anyway, so uh, what we ended up doing from there is just basically walking out, uh, you know, high-five the guy that I knew, started talking before I know it. He'd introduce us to individuals who were there. And he said, hey, this is my preacher. What was my open window, right? So now I sense the Spirit of God prompting me to share the gospel. So we shared the gospel with somebody. And it's amazing. You listen to the Lord. You habitually obey God. You just do what God's called you to do. And God gives you the strength to do it. And then as we shared with this individual, it's amazing to see how God began to work Work in her heart. Draw her to himself. And right there, man, we all prayed. And, man, it was an awesome time frame. And, and listen, that was right there on the basketball court. Are you all listening? Listen, God wants to do these things in your life. God wants to use you right where you're planted. So habitually obey him. Become interested in what interests God. And then I'll give you this fifth step, simple step. Get involved in a church. You know, no church is perfect. Uh, so don't wait till you find one before you get plugged in. I remember when I was uh, in Atlanta one time I actually saw a sign And on the sign it was out in front of a church And the sign read the perfect church Now the amazing thing about this sign Is that it was all dilapidated It was made of wood but it was kind of rotten Falling to pieces The church actually was imploding in the center I was like it doesn't seem so perfect to me You know what I'm saying And the reality is there is no perfect church So if you're waiting and sitting back Saying I'm going to join a church When I find the one that's perfect Don't join it if you find it You'll mess it up Because reality is there is no such thing as a perfect uh, perfect church because it is made up of imperfect people. And so we come together as a church to get involved with what God's called us to do. And through that, we grow in our relationship with the Lord as we learn to relate to one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, to bear with one another. All the one another statements in the New Testament deal with our relationship right here in the body. And so you're missing out on getting to know more about God if you're not plugged in to a local church. So get plugged in, get involved, and see what God will do in your life. You know, all of these are simple steps you can take in order to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Get to know Him better. And man, when you get plugged into these five simple stages, you'll discover that you'll find great joy in getting to know the Lord. But here's the second reality that Paul prays for and God desires for you, all right? God desires for you to grasp what he has in store for you. God desires for you to grasp what he has in store for you. Verse 18, look at your Bible. Scripture says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now notice here the word heart. Heart. The word heart doesn't literally just speak of the muscle you know, inside your chest cavity. Whenever we see it here in the New Testament, this word heart, it speaks of the center of your personality. It's who you truly are. And Paul is asking, and I love it, he's asking that God would enlighten. That means open up the deepest recesses of who you are. And why does he pray that God would do this in your heart? Why does he want you to be enlightened in the very center of who you are? Verse 18 tells us, so that you will know, and that word know means that that you will deeply appreciate what is the, check this out, hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints? So here again, notice that word hope. This word is packed with significance for the follower of Jesus. It refers to our confident expectation of being with the risen Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That is the hope that we have. That Jesus one day will come for us and take us to himself where we will be with him forever. The church, of which you are a member of if you've trusted Jesus, lives in full anticipation of Jesus Christ's return. You know, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, some angels showed up speaking to the disciples who had watched Jesus ascend to the heavens. And these angels said to them, This Jesus, whom has been taken up right in front of you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So he's saying, listen, don't just stand around and wonder what's happening. Listen, there is a great hope. Jesus Christ is coming For us, and that's what we live in light of and whenever we live in light of this great reality Our current status upon this earth uh, becomes more and more known in our hearts and minds as momentary and Temporary and Paul doesn't want any believer to think that this life is all that there is Which by the way Paul the apostle when he writes this letter he's in jail for preaching the gospel So where is his hope? His hope isn't in just getting out of jail. His hope is in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what you and I have. There's a future coming in which you and I will no longer deal with sin, with suffering, with shame, with failure, with persecution, with fear, with disease, with decay, with decomposition, with death. None of these things are in our future. We as a church in God's timing, listen to this, we will be presented by God the Father to his son as a loved gift. That's what the church is. Paul tells us that the church is God's inheritance. Now, when you think about an inheritance, you know, like I'm a dad, so I've got sons and daughters, so if I want to leave them an inheritance, i work really hard so that I can leave them something in the days ahead. Well, God the Father, before this world was even created, Chose an inheritance to give to his son Jesus. And that inheritance is the church. And so he heaped grace upon us so that we could be adopted into his family. He brought us into the New Testament church. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit so that one day, as God sees fit, he will take us as a church and actually give us to his son as his inheritance. This is what God's doing in your life and in my life. That is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would grasp what God has in store for you. And listen, that's what I'm praying for some of you. I'm praying that you would grasp what God has in store for you. Because whenever you grab a hold of this great hope that we have in Jesus, there are a few things that will stir up in your life. Here goes one of them. Jot this one down. When you have this hope, this hope will keep you free from the world system. This hope will keep you free from the world system. Listen to 1 John 3 and verse 3. It says this. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Jesus purifies himself just as he is pure. See, as we grab hold of this great hope that we have in Jesus, what God has in store for us in eternity, this causes us to lose our focus upon this current world system. The applause of man, not that big of a deal anymore. The great desire for others in our life, not that big of a deal anymore. Don't you to listen closely because you cannot miss this. This is absolutely massive. When you realize that Jesus could come back at any moment in your life, it will immediately purify your life. Because you will live in light of the expectation of his return. And as a result, you want to be ready when he shows up. You know, if we have guests over to our house, we clean up the house before they get there. Krista's mama showed up this weekend. Y'all all 'all all right? Say amen. Y'all praying right now for me, right? She's gone now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm just kidding. He gives, he takes away. That's what I was singing down there. He gives and takes away. I'm just kidding. Y'all come back to me. I don't know why I do that. So anyway, so come back, come back. But but you get how? Like you dust, you vacuum, you clean the floors, you put everything in its place. You're getting prepared for the Jesus is coming for you. What must you get prepared? Doesn't that that just strike a chord in you that says, man, I want to live in such a way that when he comes back, uh, listen, he will see me as living a life that is set aside for him. And that's what we have in our lives when we trust and look forward to him coming again. Man, what an awesome truth. But here's another thing hope does. Hope motivates you when life is hard. Think about it all right whenever you face difficulties in life trials tribulations These have a way of causing the heart of a believer to long for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus returns We will be set free from the tribulations of this life as a matter of fact We will not only be set free from the tribulations of this life But we will enter into a place where there is perfect peace with Jesus this place will be where the glory of Jesus radiates. And you've got to listen closely. This glory which Jesus has will actually be shared with you. So the glory that Christ has, it will be given to you in eternity. Matter of fact, uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians four seventeen: For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So, some of you today, you're like, man, this is going on in my life, this stinks. I can't stand this. I wish this wasn't happening. You know, you got this trial, you got this tribulation, this is happening in your life. Think of what's going on? Well, listen, God is using that trial to prepare you for the weight of glory He's gonna lay down on your life in eternity. This is you getting prepared for that day. And so as you learn to stand and shoulder the trials with God's help. He is preparing you to actually have his glory placed upon you in eternity. Goodness gracious. Are y'all out there say yes? It, it was like as clear as a bell in my mind. I hope y'all got that preaching right there. You know, I thought, I thought about, are y'all listening to say yes? I thought about working out, right? So you go and you work out, and what are you doing? You're trying to get bigger. So you go in there, you do your little, I don't know, your bench press, do your little preacher curls. That's really legit. So anyways, you do it. But I'm just exercising just to be exercising. But there's a lot of guys, they're exercising for a big game that's coming up. Football players are getting ready for the game. Listen, as you have trials and tribulations in your life, that's you just working out. You're getting prepared for eternity where God is going to lay upon you, heap upon you, glory after glory after glory. Great truth that is, man. Don't miss that. Hope motivates you when life is hard. So whenever life gets hard, you just look to the skies, man. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. If y'all hadn't figured out the culture in which you and I live is going dreadfully darker and darker, Jesus is coming. Isn't that what he said? I'm I'm asking y'all that question. Isn't that what he said? So he was basically laying it out like this. Hey, you believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come and get you and take you to myself. That's what Jesus is doing. And um, yeah, he's going to roll out pretty soon. Hope you all ready. I'm going to enjoy this whether you do or not. Here's the third thing hope does. Hope challenges you to engage the world with the gospel. It challenges you to engage the world with the gospel. Because of what we know that God has done in our lives and promises to do in our future, we are emboldened to share with others the freedom they can have in Jesus Christ. Listen, when you truly live as if Jesus could come back today, you realize those who are living by this world system are in effect trifling among fools gold. They're seeking significance outside of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're finding that their hearts are not truly satisfied. Those who are living by the mantra, I want what I see. I want what makes me feel good. I want what makes me look good. I want what others will see in me and be impressed. Those who are followers of Jesus see individuals living a life like that and say, man, you're missing it. Listen, there is so much more that God has for you. Don't get bogged down in this world and miss the world to come. Give up this world and gain the world to come. I said, that's the message we preach. And you receive that through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you grab hold of this hope and live as if Jesus can come back, even today, you'll be finding yourself engaged in the world with the gospel. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.12, Having such a hope, there's that word again, we use great boldness in our speech. Peter says, sanctify Christ his Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that lies within you. So God gives you hope. He wants you to know what he has in store for you. That is his desire. And when you take your attention off of what God has in store for you in the heavenlies, you miss what God wants to do through you right here upon the earth. That's why the Bible says in the book of Colossians, set your minds on things above. Not upon things that are upon this earth. Listen, what Paul's saying is when you take your mind off of those things that are true above you, you miss out on what God wants to do through you right here upon this earth. And I'm just shooting you straight. eyeball bought eyeball. Some of you are flat out missing it. You showed up to church today so you could check off a little box that you came. You're like, here I am today. I came. Bless me, Lord. Pat me on the back. Listen, that's not why God saved you. God didn't redeem you by the blood of his son so you could just come to church every Sunday. What point is that? He wants you to walk with him every single day. Growing in your knowledge of him, being used by him. That's what God desires. Don't miss that. Here's the third thing. Y'all with me? Say yes. So the third thing that God desires for you is that you would access his power for your daily life, that you would access his power for your daily life. Now, as I wrote that point, I thought about um, the Beverly Hillbillies. Anybody know the Beverly Hillbillies? Anybody in the house? Yeah, several of y'all, right? I don't know if you, if you don't. The story in short is that they were dirt poor and could barely keep the family fed. But then one day, Jed was shooting at some food. And up from the ground came a bubbling crew. All oh, that is black gold. Texas tea. There's a few rednecks in here. They lived on property poor, but they were filthy rich because of what was just beneath the surface. They had a great wealth at their disposal. Well, for the follower of Jesus, sometimes we live as if we are Completely poor of power. But the fact is, according to the scripture, we have an enormous amount of power, a wealth of power available to us to live out the Christian life. This is what Paul's talking about in verse 19. Whenever he says, I want you to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Notice that. What is the great power toward us who believe? So he's saying there's a power available to you to live out this Christian life. Listen, this is pretty awesome because, and y'all have to forgive me, I'm not walking around because I twisted my ankle yesterday. Y'all all right? Yeah. So I'm trying to stay stable, and uh, just to kind of give you the story very quickly, because it's in my mind. I was at Ingalls with Krista. Uh, we were buying stuff for uh, those who were working at Mount Yona, a lunch, and uh, as we walked by the pharmacy, I saw a little place over there where I could wash my hands with some sanitizer. For some reason I'm attracted to those things. So I began to walk in that direction, and somehow or another my foot, my right foot got stuck and it rolled my ankle over. Next thing I knew, I was falling into the side of the pharmacy, slapping against the window, and the whole store was looking at me. So I just said, Krista, why are you pushing me, girl? I just got up and washed my hands and lipped off, you know what I'm saying? And I thought I was fine, but then I woke up this morning, it's all swole. Come in. S-W-O-L-E. What's wrong with you people? That's the case though, right? So that's why I'm kind of sitting still a little bit today. But but what I want you to know is that God has granted to you power to live the Christian life. Here's the fact about the Christian life, and you got to listen very closely. The Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible. The Christian is not difficult. It is impossible. You are not called to live the Christian life apart from the power of Jesus. If you could live the Christian life apart from the power of Jesus, you would get all of the praise and adoration. But you can't. God knows that. So he gave you every single thing you need in Christ to live the Christian life, trusting in his power, trusting in his strength, to do what he has called you to do in fact Paul the Apostle wants you to know what God's power towards you and you cannot miss this what God's power towards you is like and so he describes what God's power has done in the past and he says there in verse 19 the second half these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ notice this when he raised him from the dead And when he sat him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that is to come. So eyeball to eyeball, what's Paul saying? This is tremendous. Paul is saying, listen, you have power to live the Christian life. And let me explain to you how powerful this power is. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. The same power that took Jesus and put him at the right hand of the Father, that same power's in you. And this right hand, by the way, is a place of honor. In the Greco-Roman world, the person who sat next to uh, the king at his right hand was the one who actually exercised the authority of the king. And Jesus, by the power of God the Father, has been placed at the right hand of Jesus. And everything has been in subjection to his feet. And here's the awesome part. Are y'all still with me? Yeah? Are y'all? Are y'all? Ephesians 1, he's saying, Look, this church is not plan B. This was a part of God's eternal plan. And this church is going to be redeemed, and this church is going to be made the body of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. The head is Christ. What should the body be in need of? Do we need to find power outside of Christ? Do we need to find strength outside of Christ? No, no, no. It is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. He lays it down there in verse 22 as well. One commentator asked this question with such a head, what need the church fear? What need the church should desire? Warren Wiersbe writes, the greatest power shortage today is not one in our generators or our gas tanks. It's in our own personal lives. Listen, the reason a lot of, cr- of people will not become followers of Jesus is because they see themselves in you. They don't see any difference. They just see that you have something you do on Sunday every, every weekend. But whenever you access the power by faith, and I know that sounds mystical, but that's just an idea of trusting in the Lord, right? So, uh, you know, you get up in the morning, it's like, Lord, I want to live by faith today. I want to walk with you. Prompt me by the Spirit to obey you. I want to be obedient. And then as you walk throughout the day, you're in open communication with the Lord. And as the Lord's speaking to you and prompting you to encourage somebody, share the gospel, whatever maybe. say, Lord, as I do this, I need your strength. Anytime I share Jesus with somebody, I'm always praying right before I open my mouth. God, give me boldness. Give me power. Help me to speak this in a way that honors you. I say, God, God he, he answers that prayer every time. I mean, I'm just trying to tell y'all. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Uh, I am a satisfied customer when it comes to following Jesus. I'm just telling you, there is t- it is fun. I don't know what, y'all look horrible, most of you. I don't know what you deal is. Are y'all listening? But if you're walking with Jesus, there is a transformation in your life. It's like every day. Are you telling me I get to get up today and be an ambassador for heaven? What? You're telling me today God wants to speak through me to others? God, you're telling me today you want to use me to be a source of encouragement to somebody else? I mean, who am I? God, you have this great plan. You going? I'm going to be with you for all of eternity? What? I am the inheritance of God the Father Have you given to God the Son? What? Who? What? How does that happen? You start walking this thing out, man, and all of a sudden the things of the earth, uh, as the old hymn says, grows strangely dim. The light of the glory of his face. So, so let me ask you. I'm going to finish this up with a few questions, all right? So I want you to be truthful and honest with yourself here this morning. If you had to scale... Your relationship with Jesus, one to 10, where would it be? One is, man, you're not close to the Lord at all. Ten is, you're as close as you've ever been in your entire life. You just got it going on. If you had to scale it, one to 10, where would you put it? I and mean, then let me kind of, um, let, me, let me just tell you. The truth of the matter is this, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but I want you to hear uh, You're as close to Jesus as you want to be. Yeah. So if God feels distant, guess who moved? It's not you. It's not the Lord. Rather, it's you. You've moved. You've moved. Here, here's the second question, all right? How often do you think about the hope of being with Jesus for eternity? How often does that enter into your mind? Would you say never, sometimes, often, daily? I told the first services, I was putting this down, man, and I, I even put the question for myself. It's like, how often do I really think about the hope of being with Jesus for all of eternity? How often do I think about that? Uh, my answer was sometimes. Just one step above never. I'm just telling you because I'm not doing that every single day. That's not in my uh, purview, so to speak. Now God's helping me. Y'all, all all right with the preacher still growing? Yes, sir. I'm just axing y'all. Axing, A X I N G. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. So what? What do I want to do, man? I want to. I want to. I want to think more about Jesus. Come. I want. I want to be looking towards the sky. Anticipating his return. Here's a third question. How are you when it comes to accessing the power available to you? Would you say you're living the Christian life by his power? And do you access his power by trusting solely in him to work in and through your life? And listen, um, sometimes we sit in the harbor like the ships of King Jehoshaphat. And some of you, that's it. You've been redeemed. You've come to faith in Jesus. You've been built up in Christ. But you're just kind of hanging out right there at the harbor. You haven't set sail anywhere yet. All I'm trying to do is tell you that God desires for you to set sail. Enjoy getting to know him. Grasp what he has in store for you. And access his power. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts as you see fit. Only you can do that. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed this morning, if you're a Christian right now, is your time to pray because this is the time where I'd encourage people who don't know the Lord to come to know him. So Christians, as you're praying, let me talk to some of you who uh, don't know Jesus yet. So you came to church today, and uh, listen, you've heard a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. But here's the fact. God created you to know him, but sin separates you if you hold on to your sin you go to hell for eternity. That's just the truth You're going to be judged for your sin But here's what God did he did this for you did this for me God so loved you the Bible says he sent his son Jesus Jesus died on the cross for your sin So the death that you deserve Jesus took in his own body he was buried and resurrected Now the Bible says if you will turn from your sin and trust in Jesus you can be forgiven And you can have that today. It's a free gift of grace. You had one person last service respond. Maybe you need to respond this morning and give your life to Jesus. If so, just pray something like this in your heart as I pray out loud. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for getting up from the dead. Now help me live a life set aside for your namesake and walk in obedience. (coughs) I'm turning from my sin and putting my full trust in you. And with your heads bowed, your eyes closed this morning, if that's your prayer, the first step of obedience is baptism. Listen, we talked about it earlier in the message that we want to habitually obey. So if God's calling you, you obey him. Obey him, obey him. Just a moment, we'll stand to our feet. I'll be here at the front, others as well. If that's the desire of your heart to follow Jesus in baptism, you come forward. Listen, we're not going to embarrass you. We just want to help you out in your walk with Christ. So you'll leave the place where you've been seated. You'll walk right up here to the front where I am. And we want to pray for you. Set you up a day in the future to be baptized. God may be calling you to join this church body. If that's the case, you'd be obedient to the Lord as well. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning in your word. Pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us in our walks with you. And pray that you'd have your way with this invitation. And that's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While we sing, you come this morning.